You're listening to Weather Hype, a podcast for a casual weather conversation. I'm Castle Williams. And I'm Min Fawn. On this week's episode, we're talking about weather applications for your smartphone. Then we'll look at whether or not government agencies should dive into the world of weather applications. Then we'll take a look at some of the most popular apps. Castle and I are actually going to be testing out some of the different weather apps and giving you a little bit of a review of what we find. Then we'll have a social hour and talk about what's been happening since the last podcast. And then, of course, we're going to have the song of the week. So stay tuned. Weather Hype is coming up next. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring I was born on a storm When I get gone, I get gone And I don't need anyone to know better Put your faith in Hey, man, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. You know, just a little bit of issues recording the podcast right now, but hopefully we're going to resolve all the audio issues. It's annoying, but what do you do? Uh, We got to work through these frustrations. That's part of it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So pretty much my laptop is making these weird, I'm about to explode on you noises and the the air, the fan that's blowing the air so that the uh, computer doesn't overheat has been going crazy for the past month. And so if you heard why my audio is kind of funky for the last couple episodes, <laughs> that, that's probably why uh, we're trying to use the noise reduction tool in our editing software to get all that loud fan blowing noise out of my audio. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and it can be a little frustrating. But um, we're getting a little creative today trying to work through those problems. So other than that, I'm doing pretty peachy. What's new with you? I hear you're breaking records uh, over there in terms of heat. It's pretty hot in Georgia right now, right? Yeah, actually, it wasn't too bad today. I don't think it was only around 88, but I think there's more heat like on the way. So <sighs> got to keep an eye out for that. People always ask me why I hate summertime, and I tell them it. there's just nothing good. I mean, there's stuff that's good about it, but there's so many <laughs> things that I hate there's about There's nothing summer. good about summer. <laughs> there's nothing positive about summer. No, I'm kidding. But no, I don't know. I just, I prefer fall and winter so much more. Cooler weather. I don't have to sweat that much. I can wear more clothes. I can look cool um, without dealing with so many issues. But that's just me, my preference. Fall is definitely my favorite time of the year, for sure. You got that summertime sadness? I got that summertime, summertime (laughs) sadness. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Um, So speaking of summertime sadness weather apps yeah (laughs) wow that was such a good transition i'm known for my great transitions um so castle tell us a little bit about weather apps and kind of where they originated from i guess well i should probably be asking you that question because you are the expert on this topic (laughs) and not me okay all right well um i can jump into that a little bit so essentially we, as, I guess, teenage, well, no, we're not teenagers anymore. But Yeah, we're not teenagers <laughs> anymore. <laughs> when we used to be teenagers, the getting a cell phone was a huge deal, right? We got our little uh, keyboard, texting phones. Those are really cool. And then I don't really remember when it came about, but people started getting these smartphones where you could pull up these things called apps and use your smartphone to look at the news, look at the weather, pay your uh, bank bank account bills and stuff like that and so 
the world of smartphones has really changed the way people get their weather information. We look at a couple of surveys. There's a、uh, poll in 2007. They didn't even consider looking at mobile weather applications and、uh, smartphones in terms of what people look at or what sources they use to look at weather. That was back in 2007. Even in 2011, they didn't even look at that information either. It wasn't until、uh, later on in about 2013, 2014, and 2015. That people started realizing, you know, weather apps and weather apps on your smartphone are a really, you know, quick way of getting weather information and a really popular way too. So in 2015, a survey that I found,、um, it saw that about 23% of people、uh, actually use their mobile applications on their phone to get weather information, and about 21% of people use the local news to get the weather information. And about 15% of people、uh, go to the Weather Channel or their cable、uh, station to to get weather information. And a little bit of background on the history of weather apps. In 2007, the Weather Channel actually launched their weather app, and I believe that is the first weather app to have ever come out on the market for people、uh, for iPhone and for iOS products. And then subsequently after that, AccuWeather launched their app in 2008. And then another one, Weather Underground, which is now part of the Weather Company, they launched launched their mobile weather application in 2011. So we've had weather apps around for a while, and I think it's safe to say they're soaring in popularity, and a lot of people are using them. I think this is something that both of us have been kind of interested in, and that's why you're pursuing it more in your graduate studies. In some of the studies that I have done, have actually asked people、um, what medium do they use to obtain weather information, and so. In the the couple of studies that I did during my master's program, I asked these questions as well. And for a paper that I just submitted,、um, that's involving the perceptions of wind products, so like wind advisory, high wind warning, etc. We asked this question, and forty one percent of our sample said that they obtained their weather information from smartphone applications.、Um, so that's A, a good chunk of the sample. Yeah, how many people did you have in your sample? By、uh, by the way, right. So I had three hundred and seventy three people in my sample, and it's also important to touch to touch on the fact that I did get these participants from a weather blog.、Um, so it's possible that because I did this through kind of an internet based sampling technique, that those individuals. Who would normally get their information from both the internet or smartphone applications are more likely to have taken the survey.、Um, so it's important to point out that limitation, but at the same time, we're moving in that direction, and so we're going to start seeing smartphone applications really skyrocketing in a way that people get their weather information for sure. And in thinking about how popular weather apps can be. The National Weather Service and other agencies are always constantly trying to、um, stay updated with the latest trends and、uh, be as marketable and as popular as they possibly can be. And there's always a debate, kind of, of whether the National Weather Service should engage in that world and develop their own weather application. But we already see an example of that from England, right? The UK Met Office—they actually have their own weather app. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So yeah, the Met Office. A、uh, weather app is kind of it's it, it's more it's kind of like a lot of the other weather apps that we see out there. You have your kind of your hour by hour, your current temperatures, your current、uh, what's currently going on. You have your seven day, but they also kind of promote that they're the only weather app that gives you、uh, pollen alerts and a specific UK rainfall map video. 
Um, so they have a lot of uh, weather videos on their app, which I, I think is probably something people are moving more toward um, as television starts to decline. You still want to have those on-air personalities, but then you can get it in kind of a snapshot of a quick video that captures someone's attention. Um, so I think all those things go into this app, but it doesn't seem rather spectacular to me. I mean, I I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I think it's just kind of the run-of-the-mill weather app. I mean, when you say spectacular, what would you expect for a weather app to be in order for it to be spectacular? What do you look for in a weather app? Yeah, so for me, I really think it's all about what needs to be done right at this moment. So a weather app to me is I'm not going to go there when there's severe weather. I'm not going to go there when there's, it's like severe. I go to my weather app when I want a quick snapshot of what the day is going to entail. So do I need to bring an umbrella? Do I need to wear a raincoat? Do I need to put on a jacket? So when I want, when I open a weather app, I want it to tell me these things really quickly in a smart and very communicative way. So I think it needs to be something that grabs my attention really quick I can figure out what I need to do for the day. And and so I think there are some other apps out there that do maybe a better job of that. Okay. Versus kind of the run of the mill. Here's your seven day forecast. Here's your hour by hour. All those, all these generic kind of details. And I mean, kudos to the uh, Met Office for even having a weather app. It's pretty interesting. I'm not really sure what competition they have in the private sector in England, in Ireland, in the UK. Um, with developing weather apps, but the fact that they have one, it's pretty cool. And, you know, I don't know how much the government over there, how creative they can be or what limitations they have, but I would assume right. um, because of them being a really major government entity over there that they can't really uh, do too much. The run of the mill is kind of the way they have to function. Like, here's your mm-hmm. forecast, here's your radar, here's your pollen alert, which is kind of cool that they do have a pollen alert um, aspect on their app too. But looking at the design, it looks pretty clean, pretty simple. Um, but yeah, I, you're right. I don't see it being anything super special, but it does get the job done and it's a trusted government agency. Right. So I think there's a lot of credibility behind the app as well. I mean, for me, just the being able to get the warnings or watches or advisory straight from the source to my phone would be in and itself a reason to have an app from a government uh, like website or a government source. Sure. So I think, cause to me that feels like they're the ones who are issuing it. So if I have their app on my phone, I know I'm going to get a warning when it's issued. So then when we look at the national weather service in the United States and we ask the question, why don't they have a weather app? What, you know, what, what's pulling them back in talking mm-hmm. to a few national weather service meteorologists, who are kind of into this thing, they really acknowledge the fact that the private sector is really where it should be. So the Weather Channel, AccuWeather, Wonderground, anybody who is, you know, more commercial, they are the ones that are should be in charge of developing weather apps, um, whether they're free or they're paid for or whatever. Uh, the National Weather Service, that that's kind of their stance on the whole issue, that we'll let the private sector partners that we have take care of that. We'll take care of the rest of it in a way. However, mm. it, it seems like a little bit of a compromise because uh, a few months ago, they released a weather.gov mobile version for uh, smartphones for your uh, iPhone or your Android. And essentially, it's a widget that you put on your home screen on your phone. 
and you right. click on it, and it takes you to the mobile website for weather.gov to get the weather information. So it's a little bit short of being a weather app. It's more like a button shortcut that takes you directly to their mobile website where then you can plug in your zip code or plug in your location and get the weather information. Uh, pretty much what you would get on the website if you were to access it from a computer. But they make it a little bit easier to get to it by putting a, an icon uh, widget on your phone, which looks like it could be just a weather app. And it functions similarly in the same way. Um, but it isn't as comprehensive as an, a weather app would be and uh, doesn't stand alone. It has to link directly to a website where all the information is gathered. So I, I guess in their way, they're compromising a little bit. Yeah, and this is actually, they've actually had this for quite a while now. I remember putting it on my phone, not this past February, but the February before that. So almost two years ago, I went to a National Weather Service training at when I was interning at FEMA. On iPhone, they call it bookmarking. I don't know if it's the same on Android. But basically, you go to the website and you bookmark it on your home screen so that it appears as like an icon. So you can click on it and go straight to the website, but it's kind of like it's the mobile version. Um, and you can do this with any website, like if you want to do like lottery numbers or whatever you want. Like you can do this for any website. You can bookmark it to your home screen so that you can go straight there. So I guess whether or not you use the Met Office app, the National Weather Service widget, bookmark, or a, another commercial app, there's a lot of issues with just looking at a weather app for your weather information. A lot of times people will think that there's an actual meteorologist sitting behind a computer screen plugging in numbers that go to your app. And when you look at it, it's a meteorologist, a human being giving you the weather. Right. And so there have been several articles, and we'll definitely link those on the website that have gone in depth about this, where people are are borderline upset with their local meteorologist that the weather app told them that it wasn't going to rain or that it was going to rain and then it did not happen well people don't understand they automatically attribute weather to be weather whether or not it is from a human being meteorologist or from your computer if it's wrong they want to blame somebody for it because in their mind weather is such a concrete entity that you can forecast and it's right all the time and the fact that of the matter is when people have weather apps and the information is in the palm of their hand. That, to them, the convenience factor makes it seem to them right. that the weather also should be correct all the time. And I think it gives them a false notion of the complexities that we have to deal with when we forecast the weather. Yeah, I agree. And to a certain extent, I believe this may even go a little further. And this may even be an issue with POP, the probability precipitation. And we talked about that on episode zero, which we will eventually release <laughs> episode zero <laughs> that sounds so cryptic episode it's the <laughs> the pilot episode which we will eventually release but i think the bigger issue is surrounding the probability of precipitation when someone sees 50 percent chance of rain on their weather app they're like oh it's going to rain all day long or you know it's going to be a washout but when that 50% or even 100% of rain, it just guarantees that there's going to be a hundredth of an inch of rain. That does not mean it's going to rain for 24 hours the entire day. All of your plans are going to be ruined. It just means that there's a chance of rain. That's the problem, I think, too. That number, when you see a percentage chance of rain, you think, okay, that somehow correlates to how long it could rain, how hard it could rain, and how much rain you could get. 
but that number doesn't say anything like that. You need to look for additional details from your meteorologist who's giving you the forecast. And additionally, another pet peeve of mine, or a pet peeve of mine in general, when you're looking at the hourly forecast, sometimes they'll have uh, at two o'clock it'll be a 38 38% right. chance of rain. <laughs> And then at three o'clock, it'll be a 62.8% chance of rain. And that goes back to the computer right. model that pretty much spits out numbers. And then it goes into your phone app and you look at it and then you say, okay, cool. I don't know what to a person a 2% chance of rain means. I, I, I would assume they would think it won't rain, but two versus 0%. I mean, come on. <laughs> we're not that specific and we should not be getting that specific because we're not that good yet at forecasting uh, precipitation or weather like that. No, yeah, and that goes back to exactly what you said. The model data is being fed into these weather apps, which is then being seen by users. And sometimes it's it's only one model that is being thrown into the weather apps and then seen by users. It doesn't even compare it against other models. And so I think that is one of the biggest issues that we currently have with weather apps is that there is one model that goes into this weather app and then is seen by the end user and then they automatically think oh that's there's a 60 percent chance of rain today i better stay inside and then nothing happens and they get upset and you actually talked with our uh, our friend ella ella dorsey she's at wgcl which is a cbs affiliate in atlanta and you got a little bit more insight about how their weather app for their local TV station works, right? And you also reached out to, I believe, Nate Johnson at WREL. So there's this one article. It's in the AGU. It's like a blog from the American Geophysical Union. And it was talking about how forecasts are getting better, but the public is being given lousy forecasts. And that's the title of it. And so one of the things that I took away from it is they said that local news weather apps usually have some type of human component versus more of the national apps like the Weather Channel, AccuWeather's app. Those are more, they're national based, so they're only models. Yeah, there was no way that a meteorologist could cover right. the whole entire country or world when you're using those apps. So um, they have to. They have to use a computer model. Um, so that's why I, I wanted to reach out to some of our friends, friends of the podcast, to figure out whether this was true and to figure out how far does this human aspect go in these forecasts. Because for me, I have never even considered using local news weather apps. I just think, oh, they're just generic and blah, blah, blah. They're not going to even help me one bit. After reading this article, I was like, oh, that's true. Maybe since there are more hyper-local forecasts, then the meteorologist behind the TV news station may actually have their hand in putting the numbers into the weather app. Some of the answers that we got from both Ella and Nate were that WSI has its kind of -of run-of-the-mill weather app, but then the meteorologist can change the numbers so they put in the highs the lows and the probability of precipitation for the seven-day forecast and so i went into the app to figure out what if i don't live in that city then what happens so i went to i used the app and the when i went to my current location it just used model data because there's no way they could do individual human forecasts for every city in that state but what they do have is in the city that their new station is located they have a like an area it's like a preset that you can click on and then it goes and shows all the highs lows and their pops that they individually selected so that was one broadcast met app 
The other one used a huge human factor, so they went in and put in what they thought, but then it also used the National Weather Service's grid to kind of like intermingle and connect the grids that are associated. Kind of like interpolated. Right, right, yeah. It kind of interpolated in spots that weren't accounted for by the human forecast and kind of, uh, like you said, interpolated based on the National Weather Service's grid program. So those were both interesting. Like I didn't even think about that at all. And so now I might consider using a local weather app since they're more human based or human generated or there's a uh, there's a human component to the weather forecast, I guess. I think it's nice, too, because people have a connection with their local meteorologist when they're watching the TV, uh, watching the local news and the local weather at night or in the morning or whatever. And to have an app and to have a face that you can put to the app like, oh, that's that's the uh, meteorologist that's working on the app the one that's giving me the forecast on the TV, and they can connect those two together. So there's more of a, perhaps a trust factor too. People can see the the person that is, you know, supposedly behind the app for the local news app or local weather app. And then they uh, may use that more and feel like they're in good hands because they know the, the weather team behind that app itself, you know? Yeah. Did, have you, do you use local uh, weather apps at all? Um, what I do is I look at the local news app for the TV station mm. and I'll go into and look at the weather forecast that they input from the local news app. But I don't actually have a specific um, isolated local weather app gotcha. uh, on my phone. So speaking of what apps people uh, use or when you're looking at your study, what apps people report using, I went a step further in that same wind paper that I talked about earlier to ask people what weather apps are they using when they selected that they um, got their information from a weather app. So I have the table and I can throw it on the website as well, but the highest uh, app that people or the most frequent app reported being used was the Weather Channel, which shocker. Second was iPhone Weather. It's integrated into iPhones as soon as you purchase them. That's con- it's going to be something that people just go right to because it's conveniently there. Um, Weather Underground and AccuWeather were also uh, the next two highest, but then. After that, they were kind of intermingled, like local TV stations. There were actually seven people who used the NWS mobile, the bookmark. And then just a couple of other ones scattered in there, like Radar Scope, Dark Sky. Um, the audience that you sampled, that was from a weather blog, correct? Correct. We were targeting more weather salient people or people that were more weather wise because we sure. wanted to get their input because we, in our mind, we hypothesized that. If we get these people who are pretty weather salient, we get their opinion on these wind warnings, then if it's kind of they don't understand them as well, then the general public is really not going to have a clue what's going on. Sure. So this was kind of the best case scenario. If we get people who check the weather a lot during the day, then maybe we can kind of gauge how they understand these wind warnings. And also, when looking at the weather app selection and what people prefer, um, it's interesting to note that, yeah, if you get an Apple uh, iPhone, then you'll have iPhone weather. But when you get an Android product, a lot of times um, it'll include uh, different weather apps from different companies. So I believe mm. uh, like Samsung will have you know, a certain brand. LG, I believe, has AccuWeather on it. Um, oh, okay. Nokia. I don't know what Nokia has. I don't know what the other uh, types of phones have. 
Um, and I don't know if the different carriers have a rule either. Say Verizon versus AT and T versus Sprint versus T Mobile. Uh, if they have something built in as a contract with these weather corporations, if they uh, have some kind of agreement to be like, okay, people who buy our phone from our store will have this app built on their phone, or is it a manufacturer from the phone's、uh, point of view? Like, okay, if you have a Samsung Galaxy or if you have a Motorola, if that'll give you a certain weather app too, because a lot of people, again, it comes down to convenience. Whatever is built on your phone. Will probably come down to,、uh, will probably equate to what you're going to be using, unless you really hate your default weather app. Then you'll go and, and buy another one or or、uh, download another one, like the Weather Channel, or your local weather app, or so on and so forth. So it's really、uh, interesting to to see that people. We all have different apps on our phone besides weather apps. We have you know Facebook, Twitter, social media, and it's really interesting because Facebook. Recently, started incorporating weather information into their own Facebook mobile app. So when you pull up your Facebook app, just you know to surf your timeline, see what your friends are posting, they sometimes will have a little pop up telling you about the weather conditions, being like, okay, in your neighborhood, it's going to be sunny today with a high of blah blah blah. And they actually partnered. You mentioned earlier with the Weather Channel to give people weather information in, I guess, a way that. Is even more convenient. So not only do you have it on your phone, maybe the Weather Channel app or your own weather app. Even if you're going on Facebook, now the weather information will be right there conveniently、uh, displayed for you, as opposed to having to check the weather app for weather and then checking your Facebook app to see what your friends posted. Now you can do everything on just your Facebook app. It seems also that increases the visibility of all weather forecasts, good and bad. So if you have a bad weather forecast and somebody pulls up their Facebook and says, you know, oh blah blah blah, the weather was supposed to be this and it ended up being that. Well, now you have an even greater greater audience who knows when you're right and knows when you're wrong, and that could be good, could be bad, depending on the situation. Yeah, and this happened to me like two or three weeks ago. I woke up and looked at my Facebook app, and all of a sudden it was like, "Good morning, Castle. Here is your weather for today." And I was like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> and So immediately, obviously, my brain started ticking around like, what's it doing? How's information being shared? Why is it telling this to me now? Is there a certain cutoff point during the day when it doesn't give you weather information anymore? I'm so curious how they things that go into this weather being given out by Facebook. The magic of you know the Facebook algorithm. We may never know how they do things. Yes, the algorithm, and it's so. Baffling and really, it's a conundrum, and nobody really knows what it is unless you work for Facebook. So that's something that I'd like to, to dive in, into a little bit. You know, my rule: if you're giving out weather information, then you are a part of the、that、weather enterprise. That's Castle's rule number twenty-two eighty-three. It's <laughs> that is my rule. So if they're giving out with this information, then they are automatically in this with us, and so they need to help us better、Perfect. communicate、exactly. it. So they should come along for the ride. Now that we've talked about the basics and like some behind the scenes of weather apps, we should probably talk about some weather apps that are currently out there and some of our favorites. I use a few weather apps, but I don't go to a bunch of them. You know, and honestly, I 
use some of my meteorological expertise and education to look at the weather too. So I feel a little guilty when I look at weather apps. Uh, it seems a little bit too simplistic, like, oh, wake up in the morning, you know, and then look at the weather app and, okay, that's the weather for today. Close my phone, go about my day. I kind of want to do a little bit of digging if I have time, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. But anyway, what apps do you, you use or which ones are you kind of testing out for everybody? I'm kind of ashamed to say it, but I usually the only weather apps I use are iPhone weather and radar scope gas. So most of the time I just get the snapshot with iPhone weather and just continuously throughout the day, check radar scope and watch it real life happen and figure out like, Oh, I need to go to the bus now because it shows the rain is going to hit in 20 minutes. But the iPhone weather just kind of gives me like, Oh, there's a 50% chance of rain today. So I'm like, okay, for the listeners, I tried out three different um, apps. Uh, one is called fresh air. One is called solar. And then I checked out weather bug. Like I said before and earlier in the podcast, I really like sleek, cool ways to communicate weather information. So those are the kind of weather apps that I went after. So both Fresh Air and Solar have a really sleek design. So they're very easy to use. And it's very obvious as soon as you click on the app, what the weather is going to be like today, or what it's going to be like uh, throughout the day. So they both have a nice like infographic feel and we both love infographics. The best thing that I liked about Fresh Air though, is it can bring your calendar into your weather app so it tells you like if you have your hiking scheduled for this saturday it's like oh this is what the hike your hiking forecast is and you can have it give you hour by hour updates like sent notifications to your phone so it's like if you need to drive to the hiking area but so you get a weather you get a notification before you leave and it's like oh it's going to be rainy you probably shouldn't go and so i really like that live kind of decision support service that it offers i thought that was pretty cool the Fresh Air app is, it uses forecast.io um, da- weather data, and you're going to talk about that l- a little bit later about the accuracies of all the data. But after seeing some of those results, it shows that it's kind of the least accurate. So I really love the app, but if the data is kind of inaccurate, it kind of defeats the purpose of having the app. So pretty much there is no correlation between how good something looks and how effective it can be. Right. That should be a lesson in life. Just because you hot don't mean you got everything. Right. Just because you have the best data doesn't mean you can communicate it well. Or just because you're communicating the data well doesn't mean it's very accurate. The next one I looked at was solar. Kind of the same thing. It had a very sleek design. The only thing I didn't really like was it only showed you a three-day forecast. It didn't go to seven days. And it doesn't show uh, precipitation chance. It just has like rain, no rain kind of thing. Okay, so very, very simple in yeah, so very short simple. term. Right. Do they have an hourly forecast? No. It's Okay, so basically okay. what you do is everything is uh, using your thumb. So if you put pull your thumb down, the clock starts to fast forward through time. So it's like, what's it going to be like at 725? Oh, And weird. so you pull down until you see the clock get to 725. And then it tells you like the temperature and if it's raining or not raining or if it's cloudy. But it's really cool. Like, it's very sleek. It's very... The touch sensitivity is on point, but it's just, it doesn't give me enough information. So then I lo- I checked out Weatherbug. And so this is kind of like the ultimate weather geek app. It has everything under the sun that you can think of. There's like lightning detectors. They have a weather impacts kind of section. So there's like a whole thing about energy and how you can, what you should set your thermostat at to help reduce your energy costs. And I thought all that was super cool. 
They have like um, heating and cooling degree days and stuff. Well, it just says like this week the average temperature is this. If you set your thermostat on seventy two, then you'll save fifty cents every day or something. Um, they have these things called exclusive dangerous thunderstorm alerts, which they say are fifty percent faster sent to you than the National Weather Service does. I don't know how accurate that is, um, but that's so out they actually there. call out the National Weather Service and say that. Yeah, they say that they're fifty percent faster than the warnings issued by the National Weather Service, but that's only for exclusive dangerous thunderstorms, which I don't know what that exactly means. Other than that, though, Weatherbug has literally everything under the sun that you could even ask for. Um, so yeah, so check it out. What kind of apps did you look at, or what do you use on a normal daily basis? In Weatherbug, they have their stations too, right? A lot of people have these weather right. stations that they can input into the Weatherbug system. Correct. And you can get very localized weather information, which I guess is similar to one of the apps that I reviewed, which is Weather Underground, uh, which I like to use. I think it's pretty cool. I like it a lot because of their radar. But uh, I'm pulling it up right now. And so Weather Underground is a part of the weather company, which also owns the Weather Channel. Uh, and so... When you pull it up, it tells you the temperature, it has a little map of where you're at, and gives you the precipitation, the wind speed. You scroll down a little bit more, and they have a forecast uh, for the day, for the hour, and for an extended amount of time, I believe up to like 10 days. It's really interesting. They show a line graph of the temperature and chance of rain for the next 10 days. So you're looking at like a bar, like a line line graph of red showing the temperature, uh, where it goes up and down, and then also there's like a blue little bar chart that shows you the precipitation too, which is really interesting. Um, I mean, Weather Underground is pretty nice, but it also has a lot of advertisements on it too. But their Wonder Map, which is their interactive radar, I find is really cool. The Weather Channel then is something that a lot of people have the most popular weather app out there. But the one thing that I don't like about it again is the advertisements all over it um you can scroll and they'll have oh here's an amazing video of some kind of clickbait that we want you to click on that then takes you you know um, a bunch of advertisements uh a bunch of again video random stories Uh, i like their radar map on there too and they do have different things like their pollen their pollen alert or their uh, cold and flu forecast to kind of show you if the uh, cold and flu uh, is widespread, sporadic, etc. Uh, you can report your weather on the Weather Channel, uh, your conditions where you are, and what kind of conditions you're seeing. Um, and also they have hurricane information too. These apps are very pretty comprehensive, but then you have to kind of muddle through all the advertisements too because they're free. And if you pay for them, I believe uh, the advertisements are not on there. But if you don't pay for them, you get the free version then you have to deal with those ads, which is, you know, fact of life. They have to pay for it somehow, right? Uh, for for Weather Puppy, Weather Puppy is another app that I reviewed. <laughs> it's pretty adorable. I was actually talking to a National Weather Service meteorologist, and I asked her what kind of app she had, and she said she had Weather Puppy, which I thought was really interesting. And so you can put, you know, your locations and what cities you want to look at, and they tell you the temperature, and there's a cute picture of a puppy doing something. Uh, Labradors, uh, Huskies, uh, Chihuahuas, anything you can think of. It's pretty interesting. You can scroll. They'll give you the current conditions. They'll give you the 10-day forecast and everything like that, which I think is pretty interesting too. Weather Puppy takes their information from Wonderground. So the same weather information displayed in a different way. 
The last app that I ended up reviewing is Swackit. Now, Swackit, I've had it for a few years now. It's pretty interesting. They use pictures and diagrams kind of to illustrate the weather, but they'll have like a, a male stick figure cartoon and a female cartoon, and they're dressed in different ways, and it kind of illustrates to you the weather condition. So, for example, today in Denver, it was 90 degrees. They'll have a picture of a, a guy with sunglasses and a hat and shorts, and it kind of tells you, oh, this is what you could wear today uh, based on the weather conditions. Um, there'll be a little sunshine and maybe the word hot to show that it'll be a hot day. For a, for a lady, it might show like a sundress or something or a uh, skirt or something like that. And This is what you can wear today because it's so warm. And it gives you a forecast and gives you the radar and things like that. And it gives you satellite imagery as well. They get their weather information from AccuWeather. It's interesting that they somehow partner with these organizations, these companies and corporations and display the weather in a different way. You're essentially getting the same weather information you would from AccuWeather and Swackit or from Winterground and Weather Puppy. But the way you show it can really be influential on how people uh, seek that information and what they prefer. Yeah, I think one really quick uh, with your Swackit app, I really like the fact that they give you things like when I looked at it earlier today, it said like sunscreen, H2O. So they were like kind of behaviors that you should do as well as kind of clothing you should wear. So I really sure, like sure. the behavioral aspect of it. So it's like not only is it going to be hot, but you should wear sunscreen and drink lots of water, which that doesn't really come across as well when it just says when you pull up an app and it says 95 degrees today. In the Weather Enterprise, you know, we have all this information and you can uh, capitalize on that information and design apps that relatively say the same thing, but, you know, they all have their own little factor, their own little pizzazz that makes it attractive to one person or another, which is really interesting. And with all those apps that we've looked at, you can actually go to this website called forecastadvisor.com and it, you can plug in your zip code and it'll tell you which app is the most accurate in your area. So right now I'm going to plug in 80220 and see which app is the best. And according to the website, they look at the numbers. Uh, Weather Underground is 78.24% accurate. And next is the Weather Channel and then Meteo Group or Meteo Group. And then further down the line, you have AccuWeather at 60.8%, Dark Sky at 59%. Uh, the National Weather Service digital forecast at 57.39% um, goes on and on. And it gives you the accuracy of who is the most accurate for all of last year. And the way they determine it, um, they look at the uh, percent accuracy for a one to three day forecast. And for the high temperature and low temperature, they look at it in terms of the range and seeing how accurate it is uh, within a three degree range for temperature and accuracy for the precipitation um, is looked at as well uh, in terms of percentage and how it validated. So they don't give super specific uh, explanations as, as to how they determine the accuracy, except for the uh, temperature uh, range, the plus minus three degrees. It does kind of give you a good idea of how accurate your weather app might be. And your weather app might not, not actually make the cut. It might not be on the list. They only look at major national weather apps. So your local weather app will not show up on this website. But like AccuWeather, WeatherBug, Weather Underground, Weather Channel, those will all show up. Yeah, I think that website is super interesting because it's not something you always think about as 
how accurate is this information that I'm getting? You usually just want that information at the time. So at least this way you can kind of prepare and be like, oh, well, throughout this time period or throughout this past year, this group has been the most accurate. So maybe I should seek out their weather app or find a weather app that uses their data in order to kind of preload that on your phone. So speaking about all these weather apps and apps in general, a big app came out this past week and you guys might actually be playing it, Pokemon Go. And if you're a Pokemon fanatic like me and you watch Pokemon as a kid and you play the Game Boy games and you had the uh, GameCube games for like Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Coliseum, uh, this is pretty exciting news. Castle, you have it too, right? Let's be honest. Everyone is playing this. I mean, <laughs> let's be do. honest. Let's um, be honest. It's yes, kind I'm of playing fun. Uh, I've used it not too too much because it uses up my data plan. I don't have unlimited data because yeah. I'm not that privileged, <laughs> you know. Um, but <laughs> it's pretty cool because I pu- I downloaded it uh, the first day it was available, and I didn't really know how to use it. But I turned it on. I went through the you know blah 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 notifications whatever. Yeah. And whatever professor it was that says hi to you at the beginning, it's not Professor uh, Oak. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't, rem- I don't remember. I had a uh, Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle all chilling around in my living room, and so I had to kind of pick one, <laughs> and I chose Charmander because you know, duh, Charmander. Threw Pokeballs. Didn't really know what the hell I was doing. But yeah, so I caught the Charmander, had that, and then this past Friday, I was with a few people, and they said, "Hey, do you want to go downtown?" I was like, "Yeah, sure. What do you guys? What do you guys have planned?" Like, "Oh, we're gonna catch Pokemon." <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Okay, I didn't realize people actually did that, but okay, sure, why not?" So we went down in Denver to the 16th Street Mall, which is like a, a corridor of shops and restaurants and stuff like that. And the Colorado Rockies game just let out, so a ton of people are walking oh, around. Wow. And so, yeah, I turn on my phone, we start catching Pokemon, go to these Pokestops and uh, grab Pokeballs. So pretty much at a landmark in the city that you're in, uh, there will be these Mm -hmm. Pokestops where you walk up to it, you hit the little icon on your phone, you spin this little wheel and you'll get little Pokeballs or you'll get little items that can help you uh, catch more Pokemon or, or things like that. So we did that. We saw a bunch of Pokemon everywhere. I tried to catch like a, a Growlithe. It was like a CP55 or something like that, which is the oh, level, yeah. I guess, of, of what it's at. Well, it's and, combat power. Okay, combat power. And I threw like probably 20 Pokeballs at a, at a street 20? corner. 20? 20. Um, Holy it cow. got out of my Pokeball four different times. Okay. Dang. I, it was so hard. And I didn't. I was like, is this just me or what's up? Because the two other people around me also caught the same Pokemon in one attempt. Oh. In one Pokeball. And I, it took me 20, and it broke out of my Pokeball four times. Mm. And I didn't know what what was going on with that. And people were, like, looking around at me. People, like, bystanders who were walking by, because I was clearly blocking the sidewalk, <laughs> trying to catch this Growlithe. And people were like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, Pokemon, yeah. And, you know, they're all kind of drunk anyway Yeah. Um, from the game. So it was, it was kind of funny. But I've caught, like, 15 Pokemon so far. My strongest is, I believe, an Eevee, which is like at CP 71. Uh, mm. But I realized a lot of people are catching Pokemon at like 200 or 300 CP. But I'm kind of a noob at this, and I haven't even fought anybody at a at a gym yet. So, I mean, what, what have you been doing with Pokemon so far? Yeah, you're kind of a noob. Um, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, so, I, luckily, because I'm pretty sure 
it's based on like how far away you travel from like your initial location. So luckily I was on vacation last week in Florida. So I'm pretty sure it thinks my origin is like in Florida where I was at. So I'm hoping that since I've traveled back now to Georgia that I'll find some cool, interesting Pokemon. But I keep finding the stupid normal types. And I'm so over the normal types like Pidgey and <laughs> Rattata. 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 Yeah. Rattata. So all I do is keep catching them and then evolving them because... If you evolve like the normal types, every time you evolve, you get 500 experience points. So it's better to evolve the normal types because it only takes like 12 candy to evolve them. So I've been trying to build up my level that way, but I haven't fought anybody at the gym. But my 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 biggest Pokemon is like 290 and it's a Fero. Holy moly. Yeah, it's a Fero. It's a Fero? Yeah. You had a bird? Yeah, most of mine are birds. A long-necked bird? Okay, well... I get that's okay. I have a little puppy that can change into a fire, water, lightning, psychic, or dark type. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Oh I gosh. want an Eevee. But the the weird thing is all these secrets that are coming out about Pokemon Go, the like they weren't very they didn't explain the rules or how to do things very well. At least I didn't think so when I first got it. So I was like I didn't know how to do Pokestops. I didn't know I had to f- like flip the coin thing mm-hmm. so i just kept clicking on it and i was like how do i get the stuff out of it i was so frustrated but apparently you can get a pikachu at the start if you don't pick any of the three starter pokemon oh really yeah if you walk away from them then a pikachu will appear and i was oh. like dang who would have known you know those easter eggs it's like the uh the thing we put at the end of our podcast if you don't keep listening to the music ends you'll never know so, ta-da, if you're not paying attention to what I just said, you'll still never know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the Pokemon Go craze has been crazy. It has been. I've seen the funniest memes, the funniest graphics on uh, on social media, and I'm, I'm just dying from laughter. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a Pokemon that was at a, like at a strip club because someone's playing in a strip club. There are people who are driving and the Pokemon shows up on their dashboard, which, by the way, please yeah, do not drive and play dangerous. Pokemon Go. It is so dangerous. <laughs> it's worse than texting and driving. So just get off your phone, please. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how crazy it's gotten. I think in either uh, North Dakota or South Dakota or Montana, somewhere up, up there in that area, some girl was playing Pokemon Go, climbed a fence and found like a dead body floating <gasps> in the stream. What? So that that dead body could have been there for a while had this girl not gone out and played Pokemon Go, you know? Thank goodness for po- Pokemon and, Go. Well, at the same time, <laughs> the vice, the opposite side of it, the other spectrum is uh, people are, are robbing people oh, yeah, at I these Pokestops that. because they know that these designated areas are Pokestops on the game and they know people are going to go to these locations. So they rob them because they, they understand yeah. that kids or whoever's playing the game is going to end up here at some point today or tonight. And they wait there, and then they they mug them, which is not cool. Especially since some of the cooler Pokemon come out at night. I also saw where um, some guy is living in a church now, like a, it w- used to be yeah, a church. I saw that. And so now his house is like a Pokestop or a gym. I think it's a gym actually. And so now he has all these people like standing outside of his house and like walking through his backyard and stuff. Yeah, I think he said he'd try to make the most of it. Yeah. Instead, if you're going to, you know, stop on my property, at least send me a message somehow on some uh, forum and be like, hi, I stopped by your gym or your house today, yeah. which used to be a church and a landmark, but now it's your home. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of crazy stories that I've heard about Pokemon Go. And 
the other thing that makes me laugh too is somebody wrote, oh, this is like a uh, secret of Michelle Obama to combat childhood yeah, obesity. Exactly. Exercise. <laughs> because her big, I guess her big task or her big uh, project while being the uh, first lady right. is uh, to combat childhood obesity in terms of nutrition and wellness of, of people. And so people have said they've never seen so many people from so many walks of life participate I in know. a game like this, walking around exercising you know yeah and i think it's a great thing it is but you just have to be very safe right. and don't get let your guard down and please don't use it while you're driving or doing something else because it can get pretty dangerous so as long as you're smart about it don't obsess over it too much and play it when you can don't play it at work because you can <laughs> get fired for that um so aside from pokemon go something else that happened to me this week um a listener of the podcast and a uh person in the weather world, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Nelson. He works for the National Disaster Preparedness Training Center. Oh, right. He also yeah. works in, uh, yeah, you know about him. Yeah, weather, I know right? him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he also works in Aspen at a uh, ski resort too, forecasting the weather and doing EMT uh, oh, responsibilities nice. as well. He uh, messaged me and said, hey, you know, I, I, you're in Denver. I, I realized from listening to the podcast um, and I'm in Aspen, I'm going to head to Denver, want to meet up. And I said, sure. So me, him, and my friend Noah that you heard from a couple of podcasts ago, right. we all kind of met up at a Vietnamese Cajun restaurant, mm. and we talked and had a lot of good food, and then we went to uh, Renegade Brewery after that and kind of just grabbed some drinks and talked and um, just got to know each other. And it was really cool just to – I mean, I'm not going to say he's like a fan of the podcast. He listens to the podcast, but just the idea of meeting people in the Weather Enterprise that right. I had not met before – um, just connecting with them is a really cool thing. You know, I, I like to reach out to people and talk to people all the time. And Kyle, I'm really glad you reached out to me and we had a great time too. Um, but there should be more of that. It, it shouldn't be this awkward, oh, you know, I want to yeah. meet somebody. Um, it, you, cause it wasn't like a date. It was just, you know, people meeting up, grabbing drinks, grabbing food, uh, getting to know each other in a friend friendly kind of way. Um, this, isn't, <laughs> this wasn't a Tinder date. It wasn't anything like that, you know. <laughs> okay, okay, we get it. We get it. <laughs> Okay, but you know what I'm saying, right? Shut up. Was it um, plenty of fish? Was it plenty of fish? Plenty of fish, yeah. Plenty <laughs> of Magikarps. <laughs> Lord. Um, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's cool you. and refreshing to, to, to see people meeting up in that way and a little bit more organic in a way, I suppose, too. Having to meet somebody because there's a reason behind it. There wasn't really a reason other than, hey, I want to meet you. You seem cool. Right. Uh, on both sides. So the three of us had a lot of fun and uh, really glad we met and uh, definitely going to try to foster that attitude more too. meet people. If you want to meet somebody, message them and say, hey, you know, I'm a meteorologist in the field. Thought you're cool. Feel free to meet up with me. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, maybe uh, we can really have cool him thing. on a future podcast too. Oh, for sure. He has a lot of great ideas about emergency management, about training uh, people in emergency management who are in the weather enterprise. Uh, a lot of great perspectives. And he actually reached out to me at one point um, and gave me some ideas. So I, I think we'll, we'll try to talk to him at some point in time because uh, he's a really cool guy. Awesome. So my song of the week, I always somehow find a really good song pretty right before the for, the, the, the podcast <laughs> and or talking to you about the song of the week in general. Because yeah. last week I said, you know what, I'm going to sign the, I'm going to find a song of the week. And I went on YouTube and there's a video, a suggested video that popped up. So the song of the week for me is Tears by Clean Bandit featuring Louisa Johnson. 
and I immediately fell in love with it. Clean Bandit, um, like orchestra music that they kind of morphed together with pop music in a way. So oh, it's really cool. cool to see that mix of it together. You've you've heard of like Real Love, uh, Clean Bandit with uh, Jess Glynn. Yeah. Like, this is real. Yeah. yeah. So you've heard yeah. that song before. I like the fusion of their music together and they produce some pretty quality stuff. Yeah, it's kind of poppy and top 40-ish, but uh, this one's a little bit uh, similar, but I really like the message behind it. You'll have to listen to it and I, obviously I can't play it for copyright reasons, but it kind of relates to me right now in a lot of things that are going on. And so not only is it kind of upbeat, um, but it's kind of motivational and it kind of helps me uh, personally get through some stuff that I'm going through too. And a song is supposed to be like that, right? Powerful, but exactly. meaningful and, and helps you uh, get through things. And the power of music is incredible. So love the song, uh, playing a lot and jamming to it, trying to learn the, the lyrics of it. I don't know it completely yet. I just discovered it yesterday, um, but I like it a lot, and I, I'll link it to you guys, and definitely check it out. Support the band. They're great. So, uh, Castle, what's your song of the week? Yeah, so my song of the week is Rise Up by Andre Day. Um, unlike your song of the week, this kind of just fell in my lap. Um, when I went to the Demi Lovato and Nick Jonas concert, they did a tribute for the victims of the Orlando shooting. Yeah. And... Um, Andre Day was a surprise guest and she came out and sang the song. They did like a trio of it and it was just pure magic and sent chills down my spine. It was just extremely perfect. And she is an amazing, amazing singer. So you should definitely check it out. It's very kind of an emotional, uh, slow. And rise yeah, a little upbeat song. Um, but yeah, it was I like that song a lot. Yeah, it was just very motivational and it really made me start thinking about how I choose songs and what songs are my favorite because i remember you said in a previous podcast that if it's something you can dance to and kind of upbeat and get sing to then that's how you enjoy your songs and so i was trying to think about in my head what makes a song like a song that i would want to choose and so i came up i came up with um formula no, not really a formula, but like <laughs> what a song means to me and why I would choose it. And so, sure. so when I pick a song, I think it makes me, it kind of transports me onto the stage. Like if I was, if I could close my eyes and oh, hear the song, then okay. I would be performing it myself. But it all, but then the second part would be, it gives me the confidence to be able to do that. So it kind of pumps me up gotcha. in such a way that I could perform it myself. That's, really, that's a really cool yeah i never even thought about that yeah and so i was sitting on the beach when i was on vacation i was like why do i pick songs that i pick like what is that it factor for me and that's what i came up with gotcha yeah i think to clarify too because it makes me i don't know it it sounds a little superficial for me when i'm like yeah i can can dance to you and and, and sing to (laughs) um i mean some songs are more meaningful than others for me right? right yeah of course and so one thing that I do is I like to make travel videos of where I go and I have one second clips of scenes that I take videos of and I clip them to a song that has meaning to the location of where I traveled. Mm-hmm. And so to me, a song is powerful when it takes me back to that location. Um, like In New Orleans for yeah. the AMS meeting, I had a head full of dreams by Coldplay right. from the new album and Anytime I hear that song, it transports me back and all the feelings rush back from New Orleans, good and bad. And I think a song 
have that has an ability to do that is something that um again is really incredible so uh but yeah just to, just to clarify so people don't think i'm just like this <laughs> well really I, I wasn't <laughs> trying to make it seem like you were that superficial but Castle, i can't believe you i thought you knew me bro i know that i'm just quoting what you said in an earlier podcast about how you pick songs out of context man <laughs> okay sorry but i just I'm kidding, I'm kidding i'm kidding but by you, you saying that it made me made. think about what what is that it factor for me so sure sure yeah <laughs> thanks i appreciate it. so You're now welcome. you know that castle uh, he wears the pants in our friendship uh, he's much more deep and sentimental and for me Sorry. i'm just very superficial and very uh, that's not true <laughs> yeah you're right i wear the pants and you're lame so <laughs> i wear the pants you wear the shorts i do love a good pair of shorts <laughs> but no cargos right no god no <laughs> <laughs> I do apologize for anybody who is listening and does wear cargo pants and shorts. <laughs> I'm um, not. You should not stop wearing them. That. I apologize. You should stop um, wearing them. <laughs> you do you is what I like to say a lot. So hashtag you do you. Boo. <laughs> anyway, uh, want to wrap it up? Yeah, we should wrap this sucker up. Um, so you hear the spiel all the time, but you can find us in a lot of places, uh, including Facebook at facebook.com slash weatherhype and our website, weatherhypepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at weatherhype, both words, weather and hype. Or you can send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com. And feel free to rate us too on iTunes and Google Play. We appreciate all your reviews and are constantly working to make this podcast even more pleasurable for your uh, listening ears. So uh, please feel free to do that and reach out to us. We're really friendly people and would love to talk to you. So I guess until next time. Until next time. Stay stay hyped. Uh, should we check on Jared? He said he's choking on Cheez-Its. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do about it. I don't know either. I think he's okay. He's not actually choking. Hashtag Heimlich.